Hello, and welcome to Someday We'll All Be Dead, a podcast where we talk about all the things with the social work perspective. I'm your host, Hallie Harris, and I am a hospice social worker. And today I have with me my partner in crime, Matt. Hello, everybody. So today we're going to talk about privilege, and we're going to talk about specifically a privilege exercise. I recently was describing to someone um, what the two sets of beads that are hanging from my rearview mirror mean to me. There are two sets, and if you check out the podcast website, as well as a podcast Facebook page, Someday We'll All Be Dead, and the website is willallbedeadpodcast.com, there will be a picture of these beads, so you can get a look for yourself. And these beads were the product of an exercise I went to about a year or two ago. You know, it might have been longer than that. Seems like it's been longer than that. All right. Well, a couple years ago, maybe. And this was a leadership conference. In Um, Linwood, right? In Linwood, first Snohomish County. And there were many different classes and wonderful speakers. I tried to find the paperwork for it so I could tell you exactly who was facilitating this exercise, but I could not find the paperwork to save my life. But one specific exercise I did uh, was really super powerful, and that's the one I want to talk about today. So it was a privilege exercise. Have you ever heard about a privilege exercise? Just from you, and uh, I've never gone through one, so this is my first. Okay. So I've done one in class before when I was in college, and they have everyone stand in a line, And then they'll read out a statement and each person takes a step forward if that statement resonates with them. So it is a good visual, but I found that this bead exercise was so much more powerful. So you'll have to let me know. Obviously, we're not doing the actual exercise. We're kind of doing a slightly similar simulation of what I went through, but, um, but I understood that you, uh, if you said a certain thing and someone appreciated what you said, they gave you a bead or you received a bead or you were able to give beads. No. So, um, so let me describe a little bit of what the exercise looked like. So there was about 50 of us in a classroom and the only instructions we really got were that we were handed a piece of string, a piece of twine that was big enough to be a necklace. And then we were to take the next 30 to 45 minutes and walk around the room and look at these different bead stations. And I think there was seven or eight of them. And they had bowls of color, different colored beads. And each color bead had a statement above it. It actually had like five statements above it, but they were all in a similar category. And we're going to talk about this a little bit later in detail, but uh, they're all in a similar category. And so if the statement resonated with you, then you took a bead for each one of those statements. Okay, I see. Does that make sense? Yes. And so at the end of the 45 minutes, we all went back to our chairs with our necklaces of beads. And then we broke up into groups of three and we had five minutes each to talk uninterrupted about what we felt about the exercise. And then we all came together as a group and then talked together about what we got out of this exercise. And this was a moving experience for you. Yeah, it was, it was amazing. It was so powerful. It was so much more than, I mean, I've done the the stand in line exercise a few times and yes, it was, 
interesting and it was informative. But the beat exercise, for some reason, was so much more powerful. That's awesome. Okay. Yeah. Um, someday, maybe, I'll figure out a way to make it happen so you can try it. <laughs> I'd be interested in doing that. Yes. Yeah. So, basically, I'll, I'll kind of tell you what happened with me, and then we'll go through kind of a simulated exercise during this podcast. So, what happened for me was when I got back to the, the group... I looked at my beads and I had a fair amount of beads. There were certainly people that had more beads than I did. And there were people that had far less beads than I did. And so when I looked at my bead necklace. There was no judgment on amount of beads. It was all just how you experienced what you. Yeah. Well, that's what there was supposed to be. But they didn't give us that instruction. So when I read the example that I'm going to read for this podcast. <clears throat> It gives you examples of what it should have been. I don't recall getting more instructions than do this in silence for 45 minutes and then talk about it and we all came together right, after. Right, no specifics. Right. Um, it certainly was not meant to be how I kind of perceived it. So when I first got back to my chair, the very first thing I felt was shame. And I shouldn't feel ashamed. But why did you feel ashamed? Well, that's a great question. I... I'm not sure why I felt ashamed. I, I think it was because when I looked around, I saw so many people with so few, so many fewer beads than I had. And it made me sad. And it could have been because I was going through social work training at the time. And there was a lot of all this emphasis on social justice. And I was feeling guilt that I had more privilege than other people because... Is that what it was? It was about privilege or... Yeah, it okay. was all about privilege. And you knew that from the very first bead bowl that you looked at. And you'll it'll be obvious when we start reading the questions that it is about privilege. I wish I could find that paperwork because I can't remember what the title of the seminar was. But I'm sure it said something about that. But it didn't occur to me until we were in the middle of the process. And then as I was reading the statements, it just was more and more powerful that, wow... You know, every little thing in your life has to do with privilege. And so. I like that. Yeah. Um, and I've explained these beads a lot of times. So if you, again, take a look at the picture on Facebook or on the webpage, you can see the picture of uh, my beads compared to uh, a smaller set of beads. And the smaller set of beads was actually belonging to a Native American woman who, who referred to herself as a First Nations people. She was uh, an elder. And I'm sorry, I don't know what tribe she was from, but um, local. And she only had, I would have to look at the picture again. I should know this because <laughs> I've been staring at them for the last few years in my car. Um, but I feel like there was only maybe six beads. Um, as opposed to how many you had. Yeah, probably like 20. I mean, it was a stark contrast. And when you look at the picture, you'll see the, the huge difference of, of her beads versus my beads. And when I looked at my beads, I felt shame. Now, when we were in the big group, another guy uh, had more beads than me, and he put a positive spin on it. He said, when I look at my beads, I think of all the ways I can help other people get more beads. Which was really inspiring to That's me. That's nice. That's nice. I like yeah. that. It was really optimistic. Um, 
And when she held her beads up, now some people that had very few beads did not want to put their necklace on. She was one of the few that actually did put her necklace so on. So many people were ashamed to put the necklace on. The people with fewer beads. I actually had more beads and I felt, I actually called it a yoke of shame. Because I saw my beads as, Understood. I can't believe I have all these privileges and these other people who deserve it just as much as I do. Right. Had barely any beads. I get it. And was just ripping my heart out. <laughs> it kind of makes me tear up just talking about it every time I tell the story. Yeah. I've probably told this story six or seven times to people over the years. And every single time I tell it, I get teared up. So this lady um, was one of a few that spoke up during the meeting. And she had these few beads. And she said, I'm proud to be who I am. Uh, this, this set of beads represents my people's past. And I know that when I look at these beads, my children will have more beads than I do. And my grandchildren will have more beads than, than they do. Yes. And it was so inspiring. And at the end of it, I went up to her and I, I asked her, are you going to keep your beads? Because I would really love to keep them as a reminder of this exercise. And obviously you can hear my voice cracking up because <laughs> every single time I tell this story, I, I kind of lose it. Well, you're a sweetheart and you deserve uh, to ask those questions and to uh, hopefully she did give you those beads, right? She, 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 did. <laughs> she did. I actually asked another lady as well um, who was a refugee and she had about the same amount of beads and she was actually going to keep hers, which I totally respected. I know how hard you work to try to keep everything real and, oh, Jesus. <laughs> it's a hard story and it's really emotional. And you can tell just from my emotion, you know, passing on to you that yeah. this, this was a, such a powerful exercise. I wish everyone could do this. Um, it kind of reminds me of uh, an exercise. I don't, you probably haven't heard of this, but you learn about it a lot when you're going through um, psychology classes. There was a teacher in the 70s that had an elementary school class, and she um, did a prejudice exercise with children with blue eyes versus children with brown eyes. It's a really popular um, experiment that's learned in it's every just some grade school teacher that tried it yeah and i mean it's like grainy footage totally from the 70s but it's from our so childhood. powerful it's amazing and you and they've done interviews with these kids now you know decades later and it still stayed with them they showed them the difference between you know one day the people with blue eyes got the privilege and got to go to recess and got to have the things and the people with brown eyes had to stay in the room and ha you know i can't remember all the details of it but and then the next day, it was the opposite. And it really was showing her students that it doesn't matter, you know, that look what this feels like. Do you like it? No. Our color of our eyes are arbitrary. We're born with it. Just like we're born with the color of our skin, just like we're born with our nationality, I just like it. we're born with our gender. And so all of these privileges that are talked about in this exercise are the exact same thing. You're born with it. There's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. What's wrong with your earlobes? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <clears throat> so I'm going to read through this um, experiment that I got. Um, there's many different ones. You can Google several of them. And I'm going to put up the 
questions that go along with this experiment. So if you want to pause this podcast right now and play along with us. Yeah, pause. Definitely. And then print out or look at the questions that we're about to go through in a few minutes. Then you can get a somewhat of a, a simulated exercise of what we're going to be talking right. about. You said it's more powerful if you walk along the oh. questions as we are talking about them. Right? Yeah, I think so. I mean, this is as close as you're going to get unless you actually get to do the exercise. I have not read these yet and I have a copy in front of me. So. Yeah. So pause the, uh, the podcast and print this out and um, you know read along with us if you want to have the at least a little touch of the experience that I had. So Three, I wanna... two, one. <laughs> and go. And we're back. Hi. <laughs> so hopefully you have your questions in front of you. So this privilege, this specific privilege exercise that I have is based on an exercise by uh, Jerakina Arlene Gotas. I'm sure I'm saying that wrong. S-G-O-U-T-A-S and colleagues from Metropolitan State College in Denver. And this is found on differencematters.info. And so they say the purpose is to explore the ways that we enjoy privileges based on being members of a social identity group in the United States. Please note that this exercise is not make, meant to make anyone feel guilty or ashamed of his, her, or their privilege or lack of privilege related to any social identity category. Rather, this exercise seeks to highlight the fact that everyone has some privilege even as some people have more privilege than others. So I just want to take a moment to talk about the fact that that statement probably would have been helpful. I don't think it was read off to me during the exercise, oh, but yeah. I don't know that it would have made me feel any different, honestly. After going through so many stations and almost feeling weighed down by my beads at the time, um, I was really glad to hear other people with a lot of beads feel like it was an opportunity rather than something to be ashamed of. I think it was helpful. And I would like to say this as we get started in this uh, exercise that in the last two years, I have been feeling increasingly shameful of my privilege. And I'm trying not to. Do you think that has to do with our president? Well, it might have a little bit to do with that and the politics that are going on right now, but... I never really acknowledged it, mm. which I should I should have, but this this last couple of years has been strong enough for me to realize that holy shit, I have a lot of privilege that I have not acknowledged. As a white cis male. As a grown white speaking male English. Yeah. Blonde hair, blue eyed <laughs> well, brown hair, blue eyed. Yeah. 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 Do you, what do you think about that experience in the last two years? Has it changed you? I don't want to think that it's ever helped me just being a white male. I think that my qualifi- you know, my qualifications speak for themselves, but I don't know how many times in my life it may have helped me. And I'm, I'm ashamed. I'm ashamed that maybe it has. And that's all I have to say about that. I... I want to be respectful of all races, creeds, colors. I don't want to laugh, but you made me think of Forrest Gump. (laughs) That's all I have to say about that. (laughs) Um, You know, valid point. And I can't say anything because I also felt shame. But the question is, why do we feel ashamed? 
It's not something that you specifically set out to do. It's not something that you intended to happen. It's not that you have held other people down. So why is it that we feel shame? Well, I've never spoke out in any other way. Mm-hmm. I've never validated the fact that I've realized how I'm, I've somehow been superior. Mm-hmm. And without even my knowledge, I, even with you, I mean, you're a female. All right, I'm a male. Mm-hmm. I've, it's been the last two years of my life that I've started to really think about how the fact that I have been privileged and I have, I, hopefully I have not taken it for granted. What made you start thinking about it? Do you think? I have a coworker who is very sensitive to his race. Is this someone I know? Yes, it is. Okay. And I have uh, several coworkers who are seemingly more in the line of not sensitive to it. <laughs> <laughs> and to be clear, we both used to work at the same place. Yeah. So. So, uh, yeah, it's it's a different culture than where I work now, for sure. Very different. <laughs> And there's a lot of white male privilege, I think, in that company that goes unacknowledged. Yeah, there's a lot going on there. And um, people just, I think it's the whole uh, good old boy party type atmosphere. They all just kind of, uh, whether you believe it or not, you just go along with what everybody's saying. Mm -hmm. You You get influenced by what the people who are in leadership are saying. So you just kind of... To roll along with the tumbleweeds and I don't know I don't know if that's wrong but I know it's not right <laughs> well that might be a whole other podcast so <laughs> workplace <laughs> politics yeah so just kind of getting back to their purpose here of the project um it says by illuminating our various privileges as individuals we can recognize ways that we can use our privileges individually or collectively to work for equal equality and social justice. And that really comes back to what that guy was saying. I'm, I'm so glad he was there to tell me that because I should not have been, been feeling ashamed. What I need to feel is an opportunity to help other people have the same privilege that I have. That's what I'm working towards myself. And, you know, that's the entire work of social work is social justice. So... <laughs> Um, you know, it's, it's in my fiber. It's in my being. It's very admirable. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so this says, it's really talking about, this is not meant to be completely comprehensive. There certainly may be other, uh, privileges that they're not going to specifically mention, but just to note that it's talking about inviting people to reflect on the concept of privilege and ways that privilege overlaps. Got it. So this particular exercise asks you to have beads and have either small cup or twine of string, necklace of twine. I prefer the necklace. I think it really symbolizes something different than just having a cup in front of you. To be able to have other people see you have your necklace as you go through this process is very different than being able to hide your beads in a cup. So... Think about that as you're going through this exercise for yourself. Imagine that you're walking through this hallway with a table of beads 
and these statements written in front of you, and there are people all around you that have varying degrees of these beats. I really kind of wish I could have been there. It's so amazing. I would love to recreate this exercise. It really was just, I can't even describe how powerful well, it was. Who's to say you can't? Well, I can. We'll figure it out someday. Maybe I'll figure it out at our old workplace, but right I doubt on. it. <laughs> so you take these beads. Um, it is the same that it's set up to be silent as you go through and read the privilege cards. Again, this exercise is not meant to make anyone feel guilty or ashamed of having or not having particular privileges, but rather to explore how we all have some privilege and therefore also to explore how to engage that aspect of our life. So it again reiterates not talking during the exercise. They really want you to focus on the questions as you're going through and think about how they affect you directly. Yeah. yeah. Good. You have other thoughts? No, I'm saying it's excellent. Yeah. <clears throat> so you might think of other categories to be included. Uh, please do not overanalyze the statements. Our goal is to begin reflection and discussion. If you can answer quickly, basically yes, or basically no, that's what you need to do. So if you think basically yes, then you would take a beat. Yeah, there's no degrees. It's it's either a yes or a no. But Right. Now, don't really don't overanalyze this. Go with your first instinct. If your first instinct is a yes, then imagine you're right. taking a bead or put a check mark next to the answer. Yeah. And if your answer is... You know, basically no or mostly no, then don't take a bead. So or, listen, listen to your heart. Yes, listen. That's a good. That's a great explanation. So let's see here. Discussion questions. So <clears throat> I'm going to come back to the discussion questions that they suggest after we go through the checklist. So I'm going to pause here real quick again and just reiterate that if you want to follow along with this uh, situation. Then stop the podcast here, go to the webpage, willallbedeadpodcast.com, or go to the Facebook page, Someday Will All Be Dead, and print out or look at your copy of the questions we're about to read. Okay, hopefully you all have your list in front of you. We're going to start out with the sexuality privilege. So the first question is, I have formalized or could formalize my love relationship legally through marriage now obviously the supreme court in the last few years has ruled that gay marriage is legal i'm not sure what the status is of trans marriage at this point but certainly as a cisgender female i could formalize my marriage my love in a marriage oh okay so we're like two i'm sorry she's okay. because i haven't read these yet we're supposed to tick yes on each each or other yeah any anyone that you feel like is resonating is with you or it's, it's yeah if it's yes you could do that or, or yes, yes it resonates with you okay yeah all right if it's a privilege that you possess yes of course yes yeah number two i can move about in public without fear of being harassed or physically attacked because of my sexual identity. I think that's pretty clear. Yeah. I am clear on that one too, yes. Okay. Number three. I do not have to fear negative consequences if my coworkers find out about my sexual identity. No, I'm positive on that one. Yeah. As, as toxic as my workplace is, 
it's clear. It's all it right is. there. If I want to, I can easily find a religious community that welcomes persons of my sexual identity. I believe that is true, yes. Mm -hmm. I'm going to check that out as yes. No one questions the normality of my sexuality. Well, they might, but... (laughs) (laughs) Number six, people don't ask me why I chose my sexual identity. I have never once been asked that question. No, I have not. Number seven, I can easily find sex education literature about my sexual identity. Yeah. I think that's simple. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's all of sex ed you, you in sixth grade. You can find that anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, there really probably needs to be more of that for everything. So the next privilege is ability privilege. Number one, I can assume that I will easily have physical access to any building. Well, yes. Security, other, you know, other than security, Yes. And I have to admit, I really didn't think about ability privilege until ability. I did this. Yes. Um, physical ability. Physical I mean, ability. I don't think day to day about what it would be like to be in a wheelchair. People have to worry about that every single day of their life. Yeah. And whether that's from a disability or whether it's from a car accident. I mean, it could be something you were born with. I'm ashamed that I, I, I have thought about that often, but I don't think about it every single day of my life. And uh, Well, I don't need to know that it's something you need to think about every, every day of your life, but I'm glad that you think about it sometimes at least. Ramps. Yeah. Everywhere. There was just a article. I can't remember what the city was. I feel like it was locally. It might have been Oak Harbor. They were talking about redoing all of the sidewalks to make them flat so that people with wheelchairs could get up and down on, from the road. And there was a big upheaval about how much it would cost and is it really needed. And it's like, you don't live with a wheelchair every day. doesn't matter if it's needed. Well, it clearly is needed or they wouldn't be doing it. Well, it's, yeah, unspoken. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. All right, number two. number two. Number two. I have never been taunted, teased, or ostracized due to a disability. I'd say no. I would have to say no on that one. I can do well in any challenging situation without being told I'm an inspiration because of my ability status. <laughs> that is not something that's even ever crossed my mind. That's an odd question to me, yes. Yeah, but when you think about it, some people live with that every single day. Right. That's incredible. Number four, I can go shopping alone and expect to find appropriate accommodations to make my experience hassle-free. Well, of course, I'm kind of short, so sometimes I have to ask for help on the top shelf. But that absolutely does not mean what they're asking. Yeah. I can get in and out of the store. I can get a cart. I can get my groceries in general without asking for help. Yeah. Yeah. Number five. I do not have to request special accommodations due to my ability status. I have not yet had to do that in my life. I know that that was something that was in our syllabus every single year for school, that if people needed additional assistance that they needed to ask. But, yeah, it's not something I had to ask for. Personally, no, yes, Mm -hmm. no, yeah. Number six, if I am not hired for a job, I do not question if it was due to my physical or mental ability. I have not been refused for a job, so I... Yeah. 
And number seven. Other people do not think that my mental ability is limited because of my physical ability. Did I read that right? Yes. Other people do not think that my mental ability is limited because of my physical ability. Yeah. Yeah. So, because you have a physical disability or uh, disability, Mm -hmm. um, they think that you may be mentally disabled as well as having a physical disability. Right. Is that what they ask? Yes. That is what they mean. All right. That's terrible. It is is absolutely terrible. All right. The next section is gender and sex privilege, which I'm definitely curious to hear your take on. So, number one, if I have children and a successful career, few people will ask me how I balance work and home. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Sorry. Yeah. That's ridiculous. <laughs> but they do. But they but do. they do, yeah. Number two. I have not had to think about the message my wardrobe sends about my sexual availability. Let me just tell you a little side note about that. Well, yeah. So as a female, in my old life, in my other job where we worked together, I was still in therapy. And... I was really struggling with the fact that I had to be pretty aggressive in my job. And because of that, I would often get named, not necessarily to my face, but named a bitch or too aggressive, not just assertive, but aggressive because I was female. It was job fitting. It was job fitting. But what I did an experiment with, according to my therapist's suggestion, was that I dressed more feminine. Just as an experiment, I dressed in feminine clothes, not necessarily a skirt, although I think I did wear a skirt one day, but it was just more like a blouse instead of a t-shirt, and I did my hair, and I put on makeup, and I swear to you, in the few days that I did that, the men at our job treated me differently. They treated me, no matter what I said, even if I said the exact same things, I didn't have to be as aggressive. Because they weren't being aggressive with me. They were being softer. Correct. But any man in that position would have been called an asshole instead of a bitch. Right. And probably promoted. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I was in a unique position. I think I, I actually was valued in that position. But in general, I mean, that actually happened. I tried to wear more feminine clothes. And it changed the way that people addressed me. It changed the way people approached me. And on top of that, they really appreciated what you did there before you did either one. Well, that's true. That's true. But I did have to worry about how I dressed and how it came across. Understood. Yeah. Number three. I never worry about being recognized as the gender or sex with which I identify. I'm sorry. Yeah, I can't fit in this category at all. Yeah. Well, you don't have to worry about it is the point. You have a really big beard. (laughs) <laughs> you do have a beard and it's lovely I got big man boobs <laughs> But uh, other than that <laughs> I don't think anyone I'm not going to be the bearded lady <laughs> I, just, uh, I did not expect you to say that But that's amazing I love it Alright Okay. Number four Number four 
A decision to hire me will never be based on assumptions about whether or not I might plan to have a family soon. Oh. I have to tell you that not only am I aware that that affects me as a female, but as someone that was looking to hire people, I did think about that. This I'm was, not going to lie. This was in this was on HLN this morning about uh, women earning forty nine cents to the dollar on uh, on average. I think what. I think I saw the beginning of that. And what they were saying was, you know, the, the rumor's women been that are more women... more likely to... Well, the rumor's been all along that women wait, women <coughs> earn, Sorry. I think, 80 cents to the dollar on average for men. But they're only looking at a point in time. And the 49 cents they were talking about was overtime because they have to take maternity leave. Right. This was since the... Right. The measurement since like the seventies to now. Exactly. Yeah. And they don't get paid for maternity leave. No. And women are likely to take time off because they are giving birth. Right. So yeah, I, I have to admit that I did think about it. It didn't stop me from talking to people and we certainly did hire in people in that position that became pregnant more than once. Uh, but it was a factor that I thought about as a female. There's an OSR right now who just gave birth and is back at work right now yeah. as we speak. Yeah. Um, and But the fact that it's even something you have to think about and considered whether or not you'll be hired is right. crazy. It seems to be something that is a non-factor, but it somehow it is a factor. Yeah. Number five. I am less likely to be sexually harassed at work than persons of other gender identities. That is accurate. I have definitely been harassed at work. For me. I have not. I mean, I would say I would not take a bead because I have been harassed. Let me clarify. Yeah. And uh, I think I was probably present. <laughs> For a couple of those, yeah. Not sure I did it. <laughs> no. Hopefully you, I didn't. You did not. Let me clarify that you did not harass me. But, uh... Yeah, I was just as guilty for not calling the other person out for it. So, Well, in your defense, you knew that I could take care of myself. But that's not the point. The point is privilege. point is privilege, And yes. that I definitely got harassed. In particular, when I would wear my hair a certain way. Oh, uh, yes. I remember you mentioning that. Mm -hmm. So, it actually stopped me from wearing my hair in a certain way. And I was, I was a mechanic. I mean, this wasn't an office job. Not that it's right when that happens, but, you know. A hard-working, want-to-get-shit-done mechanic. Yeah, and, and I still had that problem. Constantly distracted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Number six. In general, I, w I am not under pressure, or I'm not under much pressure to be thin or worry about how people respond to me if I'm overweight. I've, I've been fat-shamed. You have? Oh, I've been like, Jesus. At work? Yeah, it worked. You're like, hmm. holy shit, dude. Wow. You put on some pounds. That's terrible. You know, but it's not like a, like a, like, oh, okay, well, fuck you. <laughs> or thank you, or whatever. Like, someone's noticing how much bigger I've gotten. <laughs> so you feel like you are under some pressure for that. Well, not to look good, just like, I've let myself go. Mm. I don't know if that counts, or does it count? I don't know. Well, I mean, I think it can count. Is it privilege? It's. I think they're focusing more on 
on average, do women get judged more if they're not thin? I think we certainly have seen that, especially at our old job. What's the difference, though, if a man gets fat or thin or if a woman gets fat or thin? Think about the people that worked in the office that got a lot of attention, or people that worked in office jobs, I should say. They got a lot of attention because they were thin, as opposed to the men in the company who were various sizes all throughout the company, and I don't recall it ever really being an issue for any of them, regardless if they were fit or fat. So the thinner women had more opportunity in the office place? Yes. Really? Absolutely. I never knew that. Well, in your defense, you weren't in the office as much as I was. But you had to see it every day. Wow. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. In fact, I I would have to confront them and be like, put your eyes back in the socket and stop harassing them. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, you know me. I've been on the floor the entire (laughs) time. I have to venture up there's occasionally but i try not to get involved with anyone personally other than professionally yeah yeah all right number seven on gender gender and sex privilege major religions in the world are led by mainly people of my sex for me that is definitely a no the pope is not female (laughs) (laughs) yeah i don't know if that affects me one bit i would say people in the world are generally Religions are generally led by men. So for you, you would take a bead. I would take a bead because I'm a male. Yeah. But I don't believe in religion, period. So. <laughs> well, that's a different, that's a different argument. <laughs> okay. All right. So the next privilege is race privilege. So number one, mainstream media routinely depict people of my race in a wide range of roles. I would say yes. The majority of people are white. White. Yeah. It's getting better. Slowly. But not In this time, mainstream. in this place, mainstream, it's a, it's a long road to hoe. Yeah. Number two. Children in my racial group do not need to be educated about systematic racism for their daily physical safety. This one rips my heart out. Children in my racial group do not need to be educated about systematic racism. So if you were a black family, you would have to tell your children what to do if they got stopped by the police. Yeah. I mean, that's just a fact of society. Regardless of if police are good police or not, you still have to have that conversation with your children. You must. Yeah. And really, any persons of color. In particular, it's been in the news a lot about African-Americans. But white people, white people, as Phoebe Robinson says, yes. do not have to have that conversation with their children. Right. We see it all the time. I'm ashamed of it. We see it all the time. Yeah. You need to... I think unilaterally, we all need to give... Unfortunately, we need to give the police respect of authority because of the fact they might do something out of the scope of their job description. Unfortunately, that's the case. But I think more so if you are not a white person. If you are a person of color, you must yield if you don't want danger to become. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's sad. I am so sad about that. But yeah. Yeah. I respect our officers. But it's a fact of life in America that people have to have that conversation. Do you remember that Pimp My Ride where they had the clear glove box? No. You, you don't remember that? No. They, they, they <laughs> I don't remember if it's actually still called Pimp My Ride. If anyone remembers right, this. Right. But What's his name? Uh, yeah, there was a Pimp My Ride where they brought a young African-American man and they changed his car so that if he got stopped by police, it had like six different video cameras. <laughs> <laughs> and the dash, um, the glove compartment was clear so you could see in it. Like it was everything that could be safe. <laughs> and still, they had to have the conversation about it. Yeah. Ugh, goodness. That's funny. All right, number three. I can be sure that if I need legal or medical help, my race will not work against me. I don't think that's even ever been a thought for me. Ugh, Jesus, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Number four. I can take a job without people thinking I was hired only because of my race. So this kind of gets into affirmative Reverse action. Racism, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I've never, ever not considered. Not at all. And... I would like to think that geez, as systematic as things are where I work, that they've hired people. I mean, they've hired the span of people where mm-hmm. we work. Well, and, and we are in a unique place <coughs> in the country. We're in the Pacific Northwest <clears throat> where there is a majority of white population anyway. But there actually does seem to be a little higher representation in our company as compared to our local community, let's say. Not necessarily the, the city that it's in, but the local community where we live and the general population is certainly a higher white percentage in Washington. In our workplace? I think, And what I'm saying is I think they have a pretty... It's not a high diversity, but it's a higher diversity than some other places. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yes. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, number five. I can do well in a challenging situation without being called a credit to my race. Can you even imagine? A credit to... I can you if... even fathom? When I'm angry, Ugh. there's no stereotype about being an angry white woman. I don't think I've ever been called a credit to my race ever <laughs> once. <laughs> And I don't plan on it. Yeah, but some people have to deal with that. Ain't no way do I you, want you to You didn't be... get angry, so you're a good white man. Can you imagine that? Can you even <laughs> fathom those words coming out of someone's Look, mouth? Look, yeah. If somebody calls me a credit to my race, I'm getting in their face. <laughs> possibly grabbing their throat. Because don't call me a credit to my race, all right? Because they think you're holding tiki torches? Credit to my race? Ugh. I know. Credit to my nation, I would be proud of. Credit to my race, I would not be proud of. Yeah. Well, unless you're doing social justice work. Well. Maybe. Look, I'm doing my best to be a good person every day of my life. That's all I'm trying to do, so. As a side note, I think you are a good person. (laughs) (laughs) I know you're a good person. So, let's. Number six. (laughs) I am never asked to speak for all the people of my racial group. I have not. No. Can, no. You, can you even imagine? Ugh. And <laughs> I, try to put my, I try to put myself 
in the shoes of a person that I'm close with who has to put up with shit constantly. I can't say I'm not guilty of this. I've had conversations just being a curious individual wanting to know more information. And it may have come across accidentally as asking them to speak for their race. Speak for their entire race. Yeah. Now, I was always asking what their personal experience is. But I may have come across as asking, how do all blank people feel about this? Right. You know? And it's, it's... Innocent in the beginning, but yeah, if there's deeper thought into it, it's maybe not so, it's more privilege coming out than it is innocence. Yeah. I I mean, certainly it does have to do with intent and you have to take that into consideration. But the other factor is, it's a, you know, microaggression. People have to hear this every single day. And if I had to hear it every single damn day, I get sick of it too. Can I touch your hair? Oh, my God. Don't touch black people's hair. <laughs> Can I just put that out on record? Can I touch your hair? Do not touch black people's hair. That is not okay. Don't even ask. No, you can't. <laughs> okay. Number seven. I can go shopping without concern that store employees will monitor me because of my race. Did you know that our very dear mutual friend that has little, let's say, brown babies... has had problems with her adopted children being profiled in a grocery store for stealing when they absolutely did not. Really? Yeah. She's in there with them? She was outside and the father was inside. And the store clerk accused that person of stealing because they were brown. Wow. Yeah. This is Muckleteo or? Yeah, in Washington. Washington State is not exempt from racism, as much as I would love to believe it is. It's not. It's horribly not. Yeah. It's a little more undercover. And as a side note, since we're talking about race, and that's the last racial privilege question, I have asked uh, another good friend of mine who is an African-American who's from Alabama. I said, I don't know how you can stand to be in Alabama. It's so overtly racist. And... He said to me something I'll never forget, which is, at least I know where the racism's coming from. Uh, I can see it. Okay, well. Which, again, broke my heart that that had to be a consideration. Yeah. But it made sense. It made sense. Racism is everywhere. Just because I don't see it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. A.K.A. I love karate. At least he knows where it's coming from. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm probably not going to be much help to you on the next uh, set of questions. That's <laughs> okay. We'll go through them. So, religious pre- privilege. Number one, I can assume that I will not have to work or go to school on my religious holidays. Assuming that you have the standard Anglo-Saxon Christian traditional holidays that... All of our politicians seem to think that we all have. Yeah. National holidays. Yeah. Christmas. Yeah. Somehow Thanksgiving. Well, Thanksgiving. (laughs) That's a whole other thing, but it's not religious. Are we talking about... I'm talking about like Easter, Christmas. Yom Kippur. Yeah. Well, you probably have to still work on that. Still got to work on that one. If you're Jewish, you probably don't take a Still American, but yeah. 
Judeo-Christianity is generally what this is. All right. Number two. I can be sure that mainstream media will celebrate the holidays of my religion. Again, same. Easter, Christmas, the general accepted federal holidays. Easter. Yeah. Yeah. Easter. (laughs) (laughs) You have comments about Easter? No, Easter... You don't like the Cadbury Bunny? <laughs> uh, Easter is not a an official Christian holiday. It shouldn't be. It never should have been. <laughs> Do you want to talk more about that? No, we all know. We all know. <laughs> okay. Okay. Number three. My religious views are reflected by the majority of government officials and political candidates. Well, not my specific religious views, but the majority. So I would not take a bead, but the majority of people that find themselves in some Christian-based religion, which is still the majority of this country, can be represented by some political candidates. Number four. Food that honors my religious practices can easily be found in any restaurant or grocery store. I would like to assume that that is something that's true. Yeah, unless you have different, you know, religion. Well, I mean... The big melting pot here in the United States. I think you'd find just about any meal you could, or the ingredients if, to make that meal. I imagine if you were in a big city, then probably, probably not a lot of the small. Yeah, towns. maybe not in the Midwest, the breadbasket. Mm-hmm. But yeah. All right, number five, places to worship or practice my religion are numerous in my community. In this community, I would believe so. Yes. Yeah. Well. Maybe not where we are, but... There's still a lot of churches. Plenty of spots. There's literally two churches within a mile of here. Yeah. <laughs> and we're in the country. There's a Buddhist temple right over there. Oh, shoot, you're right. There's three. There's four. There's another one right over there. So, I think we're covered. Yeah, we're definitely covered. I don't know but... what the nearest synagogue is, but... Right. There's I a don't... Buddhist temple right over there. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, there's two Buddhist temples and... A Catholic church and a non-denominational Christian right, church. Right, Lutheranism or... Yeah. yeah. Number six. Most people do not consider my religious practices to be quote-unquote weird. Yeah, can't, can't speak on that. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, even if it was atheism or even if it was secularism or something other than Judeo-Christian... Was it madism? <laughs> madism. <laughs> You know, unless you're doing Satanism. I mean, that's weird. I'm just going to go ahead and say that. Well, you know what? Have you read anything about Satanism? Uh, A little bit, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But, you know, Judaism can be seen as weird. And that's a very old traditional religion, but it can be seen as weird. Yes, there are many strange, they call religions. Mm -hmm. Scientology and Mormonism. Well, that's a whole other podcast. Some other things are odd to everybody. everybody. Everybody's odd to everybody. Yeah. And number seven, I do not need to worry about negative consequences of disclosing my religious identity to others. I think even if you said you're an atheist, that's not going to be as big of a deal as if you said you were Muslim. I think, yeah, probably. If you came to work and said you were Muslim, what do you think would happen? I think I would probably, well, you know what? We have, we had We have Muslims had, at work. but it's very... Few and far between, and they got a lot of shit. That particular individual you're talking about, about had half, to 
answer for his entire religion, similar to the race. And uh, really, I can only speak to the environment that I live and work in. And so I assume that, yeah, maybe if I said I was an atheist, they would not consider that as offensive as if I were a Muslim. Yeah. So I have to agree with you. Yeah. Yes. All right. The next section, uh, which I think you'll identify with. I am also kind of, I'm actually more agnostic than atheist, <laughs> but I'm leaning toward atheist. But yeah. Yeah. Agnostic. That's the word I was thinking of earlier. Uh, class privilege is the next one. Class so, privilege. Class okay. privilege. So number one, I can be sure that my social class will be an advantage when I seek medical or legal help. We are both in middle class. Yeah. We're blue collar. We have insurance through our companies. We have no problem having to go to seek medical care. So that is not an issue for us. We not would take, an issue at all. We would take a bead. Number two. I am fairly certain that I will not have to skip meals because I cannot afford to eat. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We certainly don't skip meals, do we? <laughs> we, got a, we got a small fridge and it's full of leftovers that have to be thrown away, probably. So. Yeah. Number three. I have a savings account with at least one month's expenses in case of emergency. I do not have a savings account with that much money. But if I had something come up that That's was smaller... That's what insurance is for, though. Yeah. Well, or credit cards, which some people might not be able to get. Right. And the fact that we have the privilege to even be able to... Take care of an emergency between us. You actually have us. some money in savings. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Number four. In case of a medical emergency, I won't have to decide against visiting a doctor or a hospital due to economic reasons. I had a gallbladder attack two years ago, and I did not hesitate to go to the hospital. Right. And so. uh, I've recently had a pinched nerve in my neck, which wasn't debilitating, but it was making work terrible. And required a minor operation. And I went and took care of a minor operation, and so, yeah, everything's been handled mm -hmm. through insurance. Exactly. Number five. I won't have to re rely on public transportation. I can afford my own vehicle. I have to say we're probably even a little more than that. I mean, I have a vehicle that is paid off, and instead of trading it in, <laughs> I kept it. That's certainly more privilege than a lot of people have. Yeah. I am privileged that I, I've also paid off my car and it's still running fine and no issues as we speak. Yeah. <laughs> Knock on wood. All right. And number six, my neighborhood is relatively free of obvious drug use, prostitution, and violent crime. I mean, I think we probably have a minor drug house at the end of the neighborhood, but... Right, but we live in the boondocks. It's pretty safe. I mean, if we forgot to lock our door, it wouldn't be the end of the world. No, we're an exception to the rule. Although, on a side note, we watch enough IDTV, I think we probably could handle it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, side note. <laughs> we, got our, we got our ears perked up and ready to uh, take any challenge on. <laughs> All right, and number seven, most experts appearing in mass media seem to be from my social class. I think from our social class or above, but not certainly not from poverty. You're not seeing someone go on the national news that's not at least middle class. Yeah, but it's you select the mass media you want to watch anyway. So That's fair, that's fair. I would still probably... 
Um, not take it. I probably wouldn't take a bead because I think most mass media is probably above my social class. But to be fair, I am still middle class. We're talking about the big, the big <laughs> three, right? Right. 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 Okay. So mass media being the big three. Yeah. Re- representing us. Yeah. Okay. I mean, we're talking about like CNN, NBC, ABC, CBS. None of the others. Yeah. Fox News, whoever mm. else. Right. All of them have people that are upper middle class or higher. Right. Yeah. And the last one that they have listed here is nationality and citizenship privilege. Now, I just want to make a side note that there was an education privilege privilege in the exercise that I did. And uh, it did make a difference. It was, it had to do with if anyone in your family had been in college or if you were encouraged to go to college and that kind of thing. So, all right. So nationality and citizenship privilege, U.S., Number one, if I apply for a job, my legal legal right to work in this country probably will not be questioned. Fair? Yeah, it's fair. Yeah. Number two, I will never be denied housing in the U.S. due to my citizenship. Why? Because we were lucky enough to be born here. Well, yeah, I suppose, yeah. Financially, there's nothing to do with that. It's talking about citizenship. Just citizenship, yeah. Number three. I can go into any bank and set up a checking account without fear of discrimination. Yeah, yeah. And that really could be a lot of different privileges. That's privilege? Really? Well, they're talking about national... Because you have to present an ID to get a bank account. But really, that could be used for anything. That could be used for race, too. Yeah, But specifically, they're talking about nationality. Right. Number four. I can be reasonably sure... Reasonably sure... That if I need legal or medical assistance, my citizenship status will not matter. True. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. This one's pretty clear cut, um, this whole section. No, for number us. five. Number five, I do not fear that any uh, that my employer will threaten me with deportation. Yeah. Well, obviously they can't because we're citizens. Yeah. I'm, I'm feeling guilty about my privilege. In this last one because clearly I was born in the United States of America. I've lived here my entire life. Mm-hmm. I served my country. And, and, and was... talking about serving your country, there's plenty of people, which people might not know, that have served our country alongside us that were not citizens, that were trying to gain their citizenship via service and have still been screwed out of it somehow, which is infuriating as a veteran. That's really what, yeah, is really bothering me about that is. Yeah, you served your time. That's some bullshit if you don't get your citizenship. Served eight years or more, even. Mm-hmm. Spent an entire career in the military and have not been yeah. considered a citizen of the United States. Yeah, yet you took the oath. <laughs> I mean, I can't even. All right. Number six. If I wanted to, I could travel freely to almost any country and be admitted back into the United States. I mean, we could even travel to Cuba and come back. Well, these days, I'm not so sure about that, (laughs) honestly. Well, (laughs) we can come back. They can't come in. I would think that. I would assume that. Yeah. I have blue eyes. I mean, I guess if (laughs) if you went to Pakistan, maybe. Yeah. Or Syria. I don't know. Yeah. But for the most part. Yes. Yeah. Agreed. And number seven, and the last one here, if you were a victim of a crime, 
If I were a victim of a crime, I wouldn't think twice about seeking police assistance due to my citizenship status. Yeah. I actually just talked to my sister on the last podcast about this exact thing. And, you know, it wasn't something that anyone would know about if they haven't seen the documentaries. But people that work in the fields, particularly females, but males too, are not privy to the same privilege as we are when it comes to legal action. Women are getting raped in the fields, out there doing agricultural work, and they have no recourse because they'll be deported or no one will believe them. People working in hotel staff, you know, as cleanup people, um, sanitary crews or what do you call that? Sanitation or housekeeping. Same problem. And men working that get injured, no recourse. They can't go if they're employer won't pay them for the injury they sustained or the arm they lost or the life they lost. The difference between what you were just talking about and that is like men are being raped, sexually assaulted. Yes. Men are? Sure. Men get raped too. It's not talked about as much. I... And it's not as high a frequency, but it still happens. And they don't have any recourse either. Well... I guess, yeah, silly me for assuming that men did not get raped. But I guess my ignorance is showing through. Um, I mean, I think it's a great point. A lot of people don't think about men being raped in general, not even counting people that are not citizens of this country. It's vastly underreported, and it's vastly assumed by most people that men physically cannot be raped, which is absolutely not true. It's not the typical violent crime. It's a leverage, uh, uh, leveraged um, harassment more type of rape than it is a, mm. a violent assault. Even it depends. It, I mean, sometimes. I mean, sometimes when you're talking about childhood and stuff like that, it's. Well, good point. Yeah. Jesus. I know it's fucked up. The whole thing's just wrong. But anyway, let's get back to that. That can be a whole nother tangent. We're already at an hour. So let's um, bring it back to privilege real quick. So now that you've been through this exercise, that you saw how powerful that was for me to go through. Yeah. Although we kind of talked through it. It wasn't in silence. And you could think about it <laughs> in your own time. What, what do you think? What are your thoughts about this exercise? I think everyone should. Um, well, not everyone. I think everyone. <laughs> well, it would be nice if uh, we could all go through something like that in school. Yeah. High school. Make it a class. Or make it a, an exercise in a, some sort of a retreat. or something. I don't know. I don't know what you would do, but mm-hmm. putting yourself... The exercise of sympathy and empathy Yeah. needs to be it's saturated in high school. Young kids... Minds need to know what it's like to put themselves in other people's shoes. Why do you think that's important? It's never been more important. (laughs) In this country? Yes. Yeah. I agree. It's incredibly important to be able to put yourself in someone else's shoes and understand what they're going through. And that's, that's not just privilege. That's political. You know? It's, it's about being worldly, loving your human. Sharing the human experience. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And why is that? Because someday we'll all be dead. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> someday we'll all be dead. So let's try to make this life count. 
We'd love to hear any comments or feelings you have on this podcast. So if you could email us those, that would be great. Uh, contact at willallbedeadpodcast.com. You can certainly weigh in on the Facebook page of Someday We'll All Be Dead. And you can check out, again, the website, willallbedeadpodcast.com. Thanks so much for listening. And if it's not too much trouble to ask, uh, we would love for you to rate, review, and subscribe so more people can find the podcast. Thanks.